Nobody would take offence at being called Ed or anything over here. We seem to be quite tolerant in name calling. I think it's seen as a sign. If you are confident enough to call somebody a name to the face, then you're a mate because only mates would do that. So it's quite a nice thing. So it's actually a positive thing to do. I can decide if you want to break or not between the whole. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. The whole sex yeah. and the sex part. Bill <laughs> said, break before we do the sex. Yeah. <laughs> Give you a little break. Welcome to the Screams and Moans Christmas Special. Today with me, I have a special guest. We have Nigel Boydell from Uncle Arthur's Bullocks. Am I Hi. supposed to say? You're Didn't supposed know. to say hello. You can say. I'm supposed to say hello. Well, in fact, hello, hello, Megan. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing good. Sorry, I could have made a longer intro for you. Um... <laughs> Everything about me is short. <laughs> So I've talked to Nigel for a while now and uh, found out that we both love the Christmas holiday and I thought it'd be great to have him on to do a little Christmas special and um, also... Ding, 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 We'll have the Christmas Carol Hour going on pretty soon. <laughs> be a, a musical. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah. Tell me a movie, I'll fucking empty a room if I start singing, you know. <laughs> and a little more jolly, maybe, as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some merriment. Hang on, let me just neck this bottle of Jack Daniels. We'll be really jolly then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so uh, so how's your week been, Nigel? Oh, pretty good. I have only been at work for two days because I actually work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Um, so I've only been in for a couple of days, but it's good. I work on a marina. If you listen to the Uncle Arthur's bollocks. Oh, is that for a plug? I've got a plug in after about a minute. Oh, that you're getting be... in there like, Ooh. That must be a restaurant. <laughs> must be a restaurant. Um, I work on a marina, which is like a, about, uh, we've got about 150 boats. Um, and about 40 of those are residential people live on them. So it's an absolutely brilliant atmosphere. I love my job. It's I just look forward to coming in every day. Uh, and it's lovely. So when you say, how's your week going? My answer is always going to be brilliant. Oh, because, nice. Because that is how my life works out. I, I love it. Yeah, it's great. I love coming to work. It's been fantastic. Oh, I just switched jobs. So I love coming to work now as well. <laughs> That'll soon wear off. Give it about two months. You'll absolutely hate it. The, the novelty will wear off. The novelty will wear off. 
<laughs> falling, with, falling out with your boss and getting sacked. Oh, don't say that. Sleeping under a bridge. Merry fucking Christmas to you too. <laughs> Selling your ass on a Friday night outside Woolworths. <laughs> I thought I already did that on other podcasts, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I thought I would uh, introduce you to an American classic and yeah. uh, have us. So is that what it is? Is this like, I mean, we've got films over here that everybody watches, like Christmas Day. Is this something that lots and lots and lots of families will be watching together on Christmas at Christmas? Oh yeah, definitely. It's kind of a seasonal thing, like a tradition. Since oh, you know, uh, since uh, we were growing up, it's right. it's something you just kind of have to watch it just like i don't know the grinch stole christmas or frosty the snowman or any of the other kind of holiday we have, we have a couple of uh, there's a couple of comedians over here both of them are dead now but they were they were absolutely brilliant and they called morecambe and wise and every christmas we have we have the morecambe and wise show on from like 1970s and they and it's the same thing that christmas wouldn't be christmas without the morecambe and wise show and it's the same thing you would you never think you'd never dream of watching it but you can't imagine a christmas day without watching it or at least boxing christmas day boxing it without watching it yes exactly and this movie is kind of the same way so uh for those of you who haven't seen a christmas story um it's about a little boy named ralphie who wants a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. And the story just kind of goes along his day-to-day experiences and also just kind of what it's like to be a kid and, you know, his perspective on how he's going to use his influence and his kid knowledge to get the ultimate Christmas present. (laughs) I think it basically, it, We've all done it. We've all been there. And I think that's one thing about the film is you sit there and you, you've you done it. Everything's so familiar. Yeah, I was going to say, I think now even rewatching it as an adult, it's a lot different because you do see all these things that I don't know if it applies to you, but um, I'll be interested to hear kind of your experience since you live in England. But um, for an American, it's all these experiences that we remember from childhood, like going to see the department store Santa or people caroling while they're lighting a tree or, you know, the Salvation Army bell ringers and all of these things. Exactly, exactly, exactly the same. But um, we did all that, but we seem to have stopped doing it perhaps not a generation ago, but... I mean, I'm an old fart, and my daughter is 29, and my son's 25. So this probably all this seemed to die a death about 25 years ago, and we don't do it now. And I, re- it's a, I really miss it. You know, we, it's a tradition that seems to have gone as commercialism's taken it over. But we did exactly, exactly the same. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. If, I, if you actually listen to yesterday's. Uncle Arthur's Bollocks podcast. I'm actually talking about carol singers from my generation and carol singers now, where oh. we used to call you for money, where now they just bang on the door, go, Wish Merry Christmas, Wish Merry Christmas, Wish Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. You open the door, they just stick their hand out and want money. Oh, we, so it's just more of we, the process yeah, of it, not even really an interest or enjoyment. It's no real sincere carol singing done we used to go and we'd knock on the door and there'd be four or five but we'd actually practice and then they'd come to the door and they'd leave the door open and they'd all go in and sit in the front room while you stood at the door went through about four or five carols did your best rounded it off with we wish you a merry christmas happy new year and then they'd come out and they may give you something money treat or whatever or they may just thank you and then you go away and do it again and we did it because it's what you did it was part of christmas but now it's a case of how much can we make out of this? And it's a shame. And I think the UK in general has gone down that road and it's not going to come back. We're not going to get it back. Right. Well, and I was going to say, we still, I don't even think we have any door-to-door carolers anymore. I mean, maybe somewhere, but I don't, I don't remember. I mean, occasionally they'll have something at a, a tree lighting ceremony or they might have like a special event where people will get together. But yeah. even then it's more, 
um, it just feels like it's people feeling like, oh, okay, this is something I need to do off the holiday checklist, and now I've done yeah. it, and now let's go get our shopping done, let's drop the kids off here, and, you know, it's it's just not, I don't know, maybe I'm a little nostalgic towards Christmas, but, um, yeah, I tend to like to try to enjoy it a little bit, and it's not, yeah. it's not really about that going out and getting presents and checking off that I've completed certain tasks to make it Christmas or not Christmas or any of that type thing. So, um, yeah. okay. <laughs> I was going to say, we've, we've gotten yeah. very philosophical, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I true. I do, true. I thought, yeah, but I do, because I just talk shit all the time. Well, and I, you know, I feel like we're kind of on the same page when it comes to that, though. Like, I, I much prefer to kind of, yeah, have that connection and live those experiences and you know, be present with everything and even, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I really am a grandma early. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's like, and I have memories that make you melancholy. Mm. It, because it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing, seeing what's yeah, important. I'm, I'm getting suicidal here. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, let's uh, pick it up with some scenes from the yeah. movie. How about that? <laughs> This isn't yeah. going to turn into a Samaritan's call. Come on. I've had enough of that in the past. I don't have any more of that. <laughs> but... When you're not fancy coming back to Samaritan's, go, fuck yourself. No, I'm a hell. <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of kind of, you know, the nostalgia and, and in a way the rose-tinted glasses about our memories and things. Um, yeah, I thought maybe we'd talk about some of the scenes from the movie that you, yeah. you really struck you. It's really, I've never seen it before. I've never even heard of it. Uh, and it but I watched it, and it's basically, you don't have to think. It's been made for, it's been made well, for it's a, I mean, uh, not to insult my own, but it is an American film. I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's very clever, this, because it's actually, and it starts with, like, this blast of Christmas. Even, even the credits are in red and green, and... And, and the, the colour, now I don't know whether this is the colour, I would have thought it would have been remastered, but the colour of the film is faded like an old celluloid film. Right, it's made to That's look nice. from but a different is, era than it was. It's straight into that. Now I'm old enough, I mean even though this film was made, well it was depicting here about 10 years before, I think it's 1940 or something now I was born in 1954 so it's about 10 years before I was born the style of clothes are similar the toys that they look at through uh, the store window are similar the clock which I, I remember that that's what I liked about it it immediately dragged me straight in and I could <laughs> with those that's all that's all it did it didn't it didn't it was there were no morals there were no messages it tried, didn't try to stick opinions down your throat it's just a feel-good movie um and and as I say that was one good thing about it. and the kids and the way they acted yeah and they're little like very you know they're obviously like sticking your tongue on the lamppost and things like that. <laughs> yes. so, you know you know it's they know they're gonna do it because it's so predictable but you think <laughs> yeah but we did that and then you're thinking back and thinking. Did my tongue stick? I can't remember it for so long ago. Oh, see, what? growing up in Minnesota, I can remember, but then again, I'm, you know, a few years younger as well, so <laughs> maybe a little fresher <laughs> memory, but... Yeah, but, yeah, I think that's it. It's like, right away, it just is like, this is Christmas. You know, this yes. is what it is, and, you know, when you talk about the kids, it is kind of told from, like I said, from Ralphie's perspective, and it's kind of narrated, so, you know, you... You remember having those thoughts of, you know, one of the daydreams he has. He has daydreams all through it, where he's the hero, and it's all and 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 he puts himself in a situation where there's one part where he he has to write a story, and he imagines and he's daydreaming about this teacher, thinking it's absolutely fantastic. I knew I was handing Miss Shields a masterpiece. Maybe Miss Shields, in her ecstasy, would excuse me from theme writing for the rest of my natural life. You call this a paragraph? Mom! 
like a C plus or something. Right. I was thinking, I did that all the time. I just daydreamed about being a hero. And and all the time, they were so real to me at that age. Yes, well, and even with his, you know, wanting the Red Rider BB gun, and when he has that little daydream about, you know, his family's in trouble and they're all hiding underneath the table and, save us, Ralphie! save us and he's you know assaulting the marauders and you know basically being a badass with his bb gun you know yeah and and, and things i mean the, the the phrase that goes through the whole film is you'll take your eye out yeah you'll, you'll put your, eye, your out. eye out yes and no, um... is, i mean my mother used to say this to me about the most ridiculous things she'd be saying be careful with that sandwich, you'll have somebody's eye out. With a sandwich, a piece of bread. You know, and it was just, it's one of these phrases that's just thrown in, isn't it? Yes, well, and yeah, he even says, he's like, oh. With, you'll have somebody's eye out. Yeah, well, he says the, the classic mother BB gun block. You'll shoot your eye out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, but then I think his teacher says it as well. And... and and his face, and he just can't believe that this... And he's like, oh, my mother must have got to her, like, and put her up to this. Side of things. Yes, the, yeah. that's the thing, you know, in the movie, from his perspective, it's, you know, the adults conspiring against all his best plans to... <laughs> yeah. And when, you, when you're that age, things like that are so desperately important, aren't they? You know, now it's like... As you get older, you realise that, you know, all, it's all trivial. But when you're a kid, the most trivial things are so absolutely, desperately important. And, you know, to 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 not get, to get the BB gun at the end is brilliant yeah. because it would have been so desperate not to, you know. Oh, it would have been such a disappointment. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it would have been more than disappointment. It would have been like, you know, we'd have all felt desperately sad for him. And because you know that you will all feel desperately sad for him. You all feel desperately happy for him when he gets it. It's all very clever. It's <laughs> such, such a simple bunch of tosh that the film is. <laughs> it's actually very clever. You know, it, it's, it's, it's made. You can imagine the people who made it and the people who wrote it saying to each other, sitting around and saying, well, it wasn't written by them. It was written by Gene Shepard, wasn't it? Is that his name? I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the movie it, came out in like 1983, but yeah, it was 30 years ago. But you can imagine them sitting around writing the screenplay and saying, "No, don't get carried away. We've got to keep this simple." And then you can imagine reining yourself back rather than letting your, you know, your your imagination go and but trying to put a lid on it and saying, "No, we've got to keep this simple because it basically it's simple." Yes, yes. But yet now as well, I noticed, you know, this time watching it even, um, taking off the kids and even the adults, like the relationship between his mom and dad. And I just keep thinking of the the scene with the lamp, you know, and oh, look, it's fragile. It must be. <laughs> it must be Italian. And um, so he gets this, uh, this glorious, well, what did what did he say? He said um, it was <laughs> a glorious, indescribably beautiful lamp. Yeah. <laughs> and... I liked it when, when they were putting it up in the window that Ralphie was running his hand up the back of the <laughs> Yes! <laughs> and, the, you know, the mother just being, oh, and 
look, you know, I won this. This is my prize. Is this <laughs> this leg? But it's a that, lamp. It's a, it's a damn good leg, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Would you be rubbing that leg? <laughs> I said, I've been licking that leg. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nigel's in the front room licking the lamp again. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, you know, and yeah, it becomes quite a point of contention. And then, you know, of course, um, she finds a way to, uh, well, they leave it up to you to decide. But whether when she's cleaning. <laughs> yeah, the mother wasn't all too happy about it, but um, the males of the house were just. Yeah, even even the boys, you know, that early like, ooh, like I I recognize what this is, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of playing on that. <laughs> but it's got lots of it's got lots of little. I say there's no morals in it, but there are little like beating the bully. Yes, things like that in like um, there's a bully, so you know that he's got to be bested at some point. And then Ralph ends up giving him a bloody nose, doesn't he? And well, and little things like that. Even then, I thought because you've you know been going through all of Ralph's days and you've seen the times that the bully has picked on you know him and his friends and his little brother and all of that, and then you know having everything build up, you can kind of feel it when finally he's just had enough, and this bully comes up and you know. Yeah decides to pick a fight with the wrong person that day. Listen, jerk! When I tell you to come, you better come! What, are you gonna cry now? Come on, cry, baby! Cry for me! Come on! Cry! <laughs> Deep in the recesses of my brain, a tiny red-hot little flame began to grow. <laughs> fuse blew and I had gone out of my skull and um <laughs> Ralphie gets the best of them there so yeah it's just good yeah it is it is good and yeah about the you mentioned the flagpole scene earlier but like the challenges you know when you're growing up and kind of pecking orders and different things you know like how he goes through about you know when they are standing out there and you kind of know it's coming because they, on the way to school, you know, he's talking about, oh, I talked to my dad or my mom, and they said that if you lick a pole, your tongue will stick to it, yeah. you know. So you kind of get a feel when they're all standing out there looking at the flagpole, <laughs> what's yeah. going to happen. But they have to go through this whole ritual about um, the, the, the dare ritual. Yes, exactly. Exact exchange and nuance of phrase in this ritual is very important. Huh, are you kidding? Stick my tongue to that stupid pole, that's dumb. That's because you know it'll stick. You're full of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like double dog dare you. Now it was serious. A double dog dare. What else was left but a triple dare you? And finally, the coup de grace of all dares, the sinister triple really dog dumb. dare. I triple dog dare you! Hmm. Schwartz created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. All right, all right. Yeah. And then, and I like how he says something like, you know, he, he did a little breach of etiquette there because he skipped out one of them. He, he skipped the triple dare and went right to the triple dog dare. Yes. <laughs> Breach of etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> and now he has to do it because if he doesn't, yeah, yeah, he'll lose face with everybody else. So, <laughs> but yes, yeah, the sound of him. Oh, and the screaming and the yeah. I'm not gonna say I've ever licked a pole before, a cold pole before, but <laughs> 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 but you know, I've definitely. Living in a cold climate, you'll, you know, occasionally lick your finger and touch something and all of a sudden it, it does stick, so. <laughs> oh, I've 
Yeah. When I used to work on the Oilers, we used to work out <clears throat> places where it was like, oh, 20, 25 below. And I've done that where I take my gloves off and grabbed a hold of a, 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 a railing, a pole or something like that, a metal pole, taking all the skin off my fingers. Oh. oh, it does happen. It does work. I but I wouldn't like to stick my tongue on one. <laughs> I'll stick my tongue in a lot of places, but I won't stick it on a flagpole, a frozen flagpole. <laughs> That's how I feel about my tongue as well. <laughs> Especially a cold flagpole. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it sounds like we've jumped straight into the second part of the podcast. <laughs> That's kind of what happens with me. I don't... <laughs> straight to the gutter. No. <laughs> I guess I'm getting coal for Christmas this year. <laughs> Spe- yeah. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of my... Bad girl. <laughs> Ooh, really? No. Um. <laughs> my... When she was good, she was good. When she was bad, she was fantastic. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> now what I was going to say though just as a little aside is um so i have a six-year-old niece and she was demanding all these presents the other day speaking of commercialism and things and um my my brother just told her well you're getting a lump of coal you know she didn't she didn't really get what that meant you know and even that phrase is getting aged a little bit so she's like well what would you expect me to do with a lump of coal? Like she just did, you know. <laughs> it's like, no, you you've been bad, so all you're gonna get is a lump of coal. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm surprised she knows what coal is. <laughs> well, there's that as well, yeah. <clears throat> but uh no, if it's so bad all you're getting is a gas fired central eating system. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you're just getting a cellular phone, not a smartphone. <laughs> No, don't! You're getting one with buttons, not a touch screen. No! <laughs> I know you guys hate me! Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, so kids are great. And, um, yeah, speaking of, though, that consumerism and commercialism, they did actually have that a little bit. If I don't know if you remember the scene where he'd been waiting for days to get the orphan annie decoder ring and you know he's checking the mailbox every day looking for this decoder ring and you know in the end he you know stalks off to the bathroom where the only place a young boy can have any privacy you know to uh decode the secret message and all it is is that you should like make sure that you drink your ovaltine or some you know commercial ad I remember, get, but the thing is, I remember joining one of these clubs and getting one of those when I was a kid. They actually, they actually had them, and I can't remember what it was. It was like this spy thing. We had some programs on the television. Um, one with Robert Vaughan, who's an American actor, and David McCullum, who's in something. One of the C, he plays a doctor in one of the CSI series, and they played spies. And they had this club, and that you got a decoder ring. And that was it. And then you got a little. If they said, if they said they must be sure to eat, drink your Ovaltine, I'd have thrown it straight through the fucking window. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, even there, it was kind of, I mean, for 1983 or whatever, you know, a commentary on how, you know, it just kind of took the winds out of his sails, out of the excitement of it all that, you know. Oh. You could see it coming, couldn't you? When he was decoding it, you knew what was coming. You know? <laughs> yeah. and you, Oh, no, 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 no. And then you just realize what it said. A crummy commercial? Son of a bitch. And going going as well, just thinking about um, <laughs> the department store Santa and standing in line and waiting and all of that. I don't think I've ever seen a queue that long, <laughs> though. But maybe, maybe in a big city, I suppose. I don't know what it's like over there now, but... Santa's over here aren't allowed to have kids sitting on their knees anymore, on the laps. Oh. You can't do that. See, here we still have where you can come and, yeah, have your picture taken, you know, on yeah, Santa's you lap. Oh, no, you sit on a chair next to him or stand next to him. He can't, you know, just in case he's a kiddie fiddler. And I was going to say, off. too many dodgy Santas. <laughs> Lots of dodgy Santas over here. Oh. <laughs> 
So it's, it's like that, you know. Everybody, everybody, you know, it's just out to cause a panic is just stand somewhere and shout pedophile, and everybody will start panicking, and that's what it's like over here at the moment. Oh. <laughs> I think it's really sad that because I'd like to be Santa. Well, no, I don't mind having a kid on my knee and feeling the excitement, winding them up, knowing that you're part of winding a kid up for Christmas. Brilliant. Right, you're just, you know, really just getting them all hyped and they're getting to meet yeah. Santa and I'm getting to tell Santa directly what I want for Christmas or, you know, have that whole experience of, of meeting Santa. I know. I did that. but There's a lot of people who say that, uh, oh, I went into uh, this Santa and he was pissed, so I told him. I actually did that in a, in a shopping centre in Lee when my daughter... Probably my son was probably born then, but my daughter must have only been about three or four, so perhaps he wasn't. And we went in, and there were two blokes there, and they were pissed. Santa and his elf, and they were both pissed, and he stank, and they were like, I could hear him effing as we walked in. And he just said, I'm going, hang on a minute, pal, I'll do it in it. So I just took Lucy outside, I said, right, and I stood where I could see him, and I just went back in and told him what I thought of him. I came within a millimetre of twatting him as you say oh that was so you know you don't do that to a kid at christmas christmas is the most important thing in the world for these kids yeah you make make fantastic memories you don't cock it up like that yeah i guess i've never never had that experience with little with santas that's because they're all pissheads in england (laughs) is that what it is no (laughs) bums in england i'm proud to be one of them Oh, well, so I'll be meeting a lot of bums then when I take my trip. No, I just push heads. No, no, I'm looking forward to it. And um, Oh, fabulous. But, yeah, speaking of winding up, you know, yeah, they had it kind of the, the night before, you know, so it would have been, you know, Christmas Eve is when they went to see the Santa. And What do you want for Christmas, little boy? My mind had gone blank. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, kid. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? (laughs) Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. What was I doing? Wake up, stupid. Wake up. No. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> just meeting yeah. defeat at every step. And yeah, like hanging on the slide. Yes. And he, just, he was deflated because he just went, oh, and let go and just slid down the slide on his stomach backwards, didn't he? Because he was just went, oh, boom, because of this phrase. Yes. That just ended all his hope. You'll put your eye out. Oh, no. Yep. Now, even Santa is not going to get him that Red Rider BB gun, you know? <laughs> so that's it. Forget it. It's, it's done. All of that work, the planting ads in the in mom and dad's, like, magazines, the mentioning it over breakfast, you know, being good, writing about it in school. <laughs> yeah. All of it for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not, because we know now. Oh, yeah. Oh, It's all damn good. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say then. We'll move on to kind of the Christmas morning. And even that, you know, they have it. There's fresh snow on the ground, and they're excited. They run out, you know, to see and um, get to open all of the presents, including uh, the one from Aunt Clara. <laughs> Did you have, like, an Aunt Clara that gave you gifts like that? Oh, yeah, I had an Auntie Edna who used to give me gifts like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about your Auntie Edna song and it's <laughs> from your Oh, song. Christ, yeah, the Auntie Edna song! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, oh, yeah, that was a bit rude, really, that wasn't it? Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but I actually regretted putting that up, I was so... Because I thought, oh, God, that's the bit near the knuckle, that one is. <laughs> Have you heard my show? Gets a little <laughs> rude at times. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, basically his uh, his Aunt Clara gave him a fluffy pink bunny 
like yeah suit to wear so um <laughs> nowadays those are fashionable <laughs> with ears on yeah oh it would be it'd be like a hot commodity people wearing you know the hoodies that look like animal yeah. animal ears and stuff like that <laughs> it was just before it's time that's all yeah 30 years before it's time that's right it's a hipster movie evidently no <laughs> But um, yeah, then they open all of the presents and no baby. I like his little brother because when you're that age, it's like he was just looking at things and saying, "Oh, that's mine. That's great. That, that's mine. Oh, look at that truck. That's mine." And he was just yeah. like, taking everything that he fancy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and his little brother like flying the big, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, this is a good time, you know, and then, yeah, coming down and his dad kind of consoling him all the while, you know, you know that yeah, there's more yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, there's got to be happy. You couldn't, there's, there was no way there was going to be a, a sad ending. It's got to be a happy ending. So you knew it was going to get it. All you were wondering is how he was going to do it. Yes. And then as he said, oh, what's that in the corner behind the table or behind the desk? You thought, yes! He's, that's it. He's got it now. Yes, I wasn't forgotten. Oh, it's a, it's my you know Red Rider BB gun, and you know, do you know how to use it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, you know. And he really puts his eye out. And alas, he just about puts yeah. his eye out. <laughs> Although I, I grew up around guns, and yeah, I don't know. We always knew a little bit better than to aim at something aluminum or metal, <laughs> but. Maybe not aluminum. We'd shoot cans, but, you know, something a little harder for metal. But, um, yeah. We don't, we don't have things like that here. I was about 16, 15 before I got my first air rifle. So we're, we're not a gun culture, so we're just, nobody gets brought up around guns. Yeah. Well, well a mate of mine was, there's a lot of people who do clay pigeon, and there's a mate of mine got, um, 12 bores and things like that for clay pigeons season, but it's difficult to get hold of and it's just not something and it's less and less every kid had an air gun when i was young but nobody has them now nobody at all has them yeah that is a totally you know that is a cultural difference because well and here i mean people have people have it for different reasons i mean i grew up around them and learned gun safety because my like my grandfather and all my uncles and a couple of my aunts, you know, were outdoors people, so they went hunting and it. stuff like that. <laughs> gun we, fanatics, we, a.k.a. gun fanatics. We just, we just go and get drunk and beat the shit out of each other outside pubs on a Friday night. We don't want to just kick some bells out of each other. <laughs> it's like, back to the movie. Um, yeah. He just about puts his eye out. But his mum's really good about it. Because you think, oh, that's ruined Christmas Day because he's going to get in trouble now. But she's really cool about it, isn't she? Yes. And she says, oh, don't worry. Just wear your old ones. Dad's oblivious to all that's going on around him, all that's ha- all this that's happening, because he's concentrating more on fighting the boiler. And... <laughs> yes. He's not a clue what's going on in the family around him, has he? No, he's so focused on that <laughs> the, fur- <laughs> the furnace, yeah. yeah. Oh, the furnace and his lamp is it's yeah. too, it's too concerning. And the dogs. <laughs> and well, and his Christmas dinner, which subsequently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the dogs are. Which yeah. the dogs? So they uh, they ended by having some Chinese on uh, on Christmas. Not a real traditional, but around here, I don't know about there. There really are like. You know, all the Chinese places will be open in a couple of the restaurants. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, same here. A lot of people go out. We went out oh, the Christmas before last uh, for a Christmas dinner. I didn't particularly like it. I like it at home. I like the old ritual. I like, and I get involved. It's not like I, I sit in the front room and the women folk make the meal and things like that. You know, I, I do it and I just like that that part of it. I felt like I was missing something. Yeah, I was going to ask kind of, you know, what what do you typically kind of do for Christmas? Uh, well, every, basically, um, I have, I've had a couple of Christmases on my own. When, when I was getting divorced or separated, it was quite difficult then because um, my ex-wife had the kids on Christmas Day and I had them on Boxing Day. 
And a couple of times, I was seeing somebody else, but a couple of times I actually took the opportunity to have it on my own. And I cooked my own Christmas dinner and I went for a pint at dinner time and I watched what I wanted to do on television. It was okay, but I must have it. I do like the family thing. Basically, yeah, Christmas is... I'm having a break from it this year for reasons you know about, other people don't. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're having it just the two of us this Christmas. But usually, I love that get up in the morning and it's almost like the same every year. You know that you're starting cooking. You know that you're going to pour a glass of wine no matter what time it is when you're starting cooking. And it's hectic and it's mayhem. And I always make sure there's carols on in the background. And it's never quite... This is exactly what I'm saying about this film. Yeah. It's never quite... quite you, you have this idea in your mind of what it's going to be like. It's never going to be like that. It's never going to be that good. It's never going to be that perfect. But if it's, if it's getting there a little bit, then it's great. I was going to say, there's pieces of it. And I think... That's where, yeah, the movie kind of plays on how you, you feel, you know, versus what actually may or may yeah. not happen exactly. to your exactly. holiday. Yeah, it's all about, Christmas is all about expectations, getting deflated. And this is what the film's about, expectations, getting deflated, but ultimately it being okay. It's about enjoying yourself in the face of adversity because it's never going to go right. Right. There's always going to be things, and there's always going to be external things that you have, you know, no control over. But at the same time, it's like, it's more about focusing on, you know, what you do enjoy, which, you know, is that whole. Yeah, exactly. Experience. Yeah. yeah. And then you all sit down over here. We have the Queen's speech. Oh, when I was my first wife, her sister and brother-in-law were in the navy. And I remember going to the house, and at three o'clock in the afternoon, there's the Queen's speech, and it's quarter of an hour on the television, where she sits at the table and tells you how fucking wonderful she is, kind of. Yeah. No, I, I, I put them all. I would know. We don't have a Queen over here. <laughs> I, I, I'd put them against the wall and shoot the bastards. I would. I mean, I've no time for them at all. But we're sitting there having Christmas dinner, and the Queen's speech came. We weren't watching it, but it was on the in the background on the television in the other room. And as soon as it came on, these two jumped up and stood to attention at the table. And I was like, <laughs> I was like pissing my eyes. I could everything. My eyes on. I can feel a kick in the leg under the table. <laughs> oh God! So, but it's like this thing. You don't want to. It's like everybody sitting down to the Queen's speech, or like I said, the Markham and Wise show. It's something you wouldn't do, but you do it on Christmas Day, and you can't imagine not doing it on Christmas Day. And basically, Christmas Day is a series of boxes to be ticked. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and we're yep, we're back to the list of the boxes and ticking them oh, off. But it's yeah. it is true a bit, you know. It's like oh, Aunt So and So is going to bring this to the meal, and you know we're going to drink this, and then you know. We're going to sit and watch, you know, this specific uh, either show or uh, holiday special or I was going to say, well, because being from Minnesota and growing up. Listen to me when I'm fucking giving you a political Oh, really? Man. Maybe you should listen to me every once in a while. So fucking playing the Chinese and all the cold power, power <laughs> Right, there you go. That's me done. Carry on. <laughs> oh, well, what I was saying, you know. <laughs> Before you were rudely interrupted. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, is that growing up in Minnesota, you know, snow is a huge part of even kind of the whole Christmas thing. And it's like it doesn't feel right if it hasn't snowed. But mm. lately, I'd say in the last, I don't know, six to eight years, you haven't been able to count on that there'll be snow. We actually have some right now. But, I mean, yeah. there's some years it's been... Um, it would be in Fahrenheit, but like 50 degrees out and mm. no snow at all, where normally at that time of year, it's like in the 20s and mm. tons of well, snow. it's a global thing. I definitely think it's a global thing because over here, now we are getting... I was a gardener, a landscape gardener for many years. So I've seen the way things grow change. Um, and it's been so mild that, you know, things are still growing in December and, and it... it, it it is, it's changing. You know, we're, we are heading inexorably into another ice age anyway, you know. 
won't happen in my lifetime or yours, but this is what happens. So, yeah, climate is changing. So it's not just a blip and you you might get snow next year and it'll all get back to this. No, this is probably how it's going to be for the rest of your life. <gasps> you will never see snow on Christmas Day. Wow, now who's getting disappointing? <laughs> oh, my God. You know, we're going to have to just end this podcast oh, and just oh, go oh, off oh. ourselves both right now. We'll make a pact. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I think we better before we get suicidal. That's right. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about something a little more enlightening, like sex or something here coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's another thing I've been disillusioned with, though. <laughs> no, no, no. Years. Now we're just going to get more disillusioned now that we've moved on to that. <laughs> Little did you know you were going to have to talk about kinky sex, huh? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and, um... It'll actually, it's funny, really, because it'll probably... This is funny because it'll probably show the gap between our generations because I'm older than you, and, and I must admit that the generation now are a lot more... Not liberated than we were because it was fun and it was out there, but I find it easier to talk about. I still find it a little bit awkward to talk about, whereas people, and that's just a generation thing. I was going to say, where where my, well, I can't even say my generation because I do have friends that it would definitely make them uncomfortable to talk about sex, but I'm just, I've I've never been one of those people, you know, like it's just always been, um, a part of the human experience, I guess, for me. So it's not something that it's like, oh, this huge... I mean, yeah, there's certain things that are taboo that, you know... Yeah. But maybe maybe that is generational as well. <laughs> I mean, I, I was born... I mean, I was born and brought up in, like, the era of peace and love. I was, like, probably 16, 17 when Woodstock was going on. So it was all happening, this free love and things like that. But this free love in those days wasn't as adventurous. It was basically all this free love was pretty much missionary position. <laughs> it was it's really, really, it's but free, it but you're only getting it one way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it was so, you know, it wasn't, it was, you know, we probably weren't an adventure, but. Having said that, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. I was gonna say, so do you do you have a story to share about somewhere maybe adventurous or kinky? Yeah, I mean really, this is where I have to throw my mind back and think about things. Nothing let's think kinky. I mean I've tried to shove it up plenty of birds' asses with very <laughs> with varying degrees of success. I thought it was sheep up there. Sheep. No, that's Yorkshire, we're Lancashire. People <laughs> of sheep shaggers. It's the Welsh of the Yorkshire people. We're quite happy to just to do dogs. Oh, okay. I've got to get it straight. I'll get it straight one of these days. Cattle. Well, basically any farm animal. Um, no, oh, kinky. No, I've had all that sorts of daft sex. Like, I remember once going to a party um, when I was a, a nurse. And this isn't actually about the sex, really. And I, But I met this girl, and I went back to her room, and, we had, and, and I was there, and I ended up there for a week, and we just stayed in bed for a week, and it was fantastic. We just put the television on and had sex for this week. And in the end, I had to go home. And I was fucking worn out anyway, because she was really up for it. Uh, yeah. I remember getting up, and I was a slim gym in those days. I was about 21. And I remember going on, and I went through a drawers. Not a drawers of pants. I mean a drawers, like, in the wardrobe kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and I got, like, a pair of Levi's, put them on, found a pair of Wranglers, and I ended up putting five pairs of jeans on, one over the other. And then I went outside and stole this motorbike that she'd got and drove <laughs> home on it. But all the clothes, grass, and then we, we were renting a house with a big back garden. So we grass tracked this bike around this huge back garden for about a week until the father threatened me with the police. And then I had a bike then. So my mate drove my bike up back up to this place, Key. And I basically drove down the drive and there was this garage door. And when I was about 20 yards in the garage door, I just jumped off 
and let it go at full speed into the garage door. Oh, my God. Jumped on my bike, we both shot back home. And it was, I thought, when I looked back and I thought, you wouldn't do, I'm such a nice bloke. I wouldn't do anything like that. But I must admit, when I was young, mm. I treated women like shit. I really did. Kids did. When you were young, I think you did. Men, a lot of a lot of blokes were like that. Oh, they were in those days. I remember, I remember being ill once. I had a cold or something. I was, I was felt shit. And then we were at this house and we rented this house. And then these lads got a couple of women down. And right, I just lay there in bed. I could hear them downstairs giggling and laughing. So <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about giggling at all. By the way, <laughs> the dressing gown. I went downstairs in the dressing. Opened the door. Stood there in the dressing. Just opened my dressing gown and said. Whichever of you two want this, follow me up, sir. And one of them actually did. (laughs) The problem was then I couldn't get rid of her for about a week. And I was like screaming at her. She was there every day when I got home from work. And I ended up getting, I I ended up getting rid of her. I can't remember how, because like I say, this was 30, nearly, yeah, 30, nearly 40 years ago, actually. And I remember getting rid of it, but yeah, and that was so that was that. And I was in this nursing home and I remember every fucking night I couldn't get any sleep. I'd go to bed and then there'd be a on the door. Every night of the week I was on my knees. Oh. Tell you, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. And then one had come in and then ten minutes later another one was following. So the bloody bed was creaking. It'd be full of bodies to be all these. That's no way to treat pensioners. Irish. <laughs> I was only twenty-one at the time. <laughs> that, was fun, that was good fun. That was a laugh. <laughs> these, these romantic things where you think, you know, summer's evening in a field—that's a load of shit. That is. Have you ever done that. it though, like in the middle of a of a a storm outside? Sorry, no. I just asked because... No, that... I'm thinking about it. No, I've done it in... I mean, I've done it on beaches and then sand gets everywhere. I've done it in fields and grass goes up your ass. And yeah. <laughs> the oh, whole beach thing is definitely overrated. <laughs> oh, the whole outside thing's definitely overrated. There's nothing like inside. Brilliant. Close the door. All this outside. I've never done it in a storm. Oh. It was pretty hot, but, I mean, we were on a on a deck outside, so it's not like we were laying in the ground getting... You know, absolutely muddy and stuff like that. Though that could have been hot too. But you know, like hearing the lightning and the, the <laughs> hearing the lightning, seeing the lightning and hearing the thunder and all that. It was pretty intense. It was a good experience. <laughs> but I was gonna say, even like the question. I mean, yeah, we put it out like the kinkiest place you've had sex. But I mean, I think it's just you know, hearing about people's adventurous stories really is is kind of fun. I remember once, years, years, I was very young, maybe teens, my mid-teens, and I was at my parents' house, and my, my mates, that age where it's smutty and laugh behind your hands about sex, and you're fumbling about and learn how to do it. And I remember being in the house with a girl, we were only young teenagers, mid-teenagers, and I remember, like, we were just fumbling about, as you do, Yeah. and then my mates appeared at the window. <laughs> and I laugh and pointing in and laughing. And all of a sudden, this girl turned into a complete animal. She obviously got off by people watching her. Right. She's I wouldn't know anything about being an exhibitionist at all. <laughs> she just went mad. I mean I was embarrassed. I was you know well. <laughs> I wasn't that embarrassed. I wasn't so embarrassed that I told her to stop. Well, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you weren't like, no, no, we need to stop right now. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, what? Yeah. Stop it. I'll give you three weeks to get off. It's it's funny, really, though. Things must become insignificant because I can't really think of anything now, but I know that I did. But they must have had so little impact on me at the time. It's just been something to do, something right. you do. Right, it's just a a little blipper moment where you know, yeah, other yeah. things have stuck with you, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, but now the the thing is, is now I've got your mind running. So then, even when you're sleeping tonight, it. Oh yeah. Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you'll start. Oh, I'm going to drag up all sorts of happy memories. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, actually, it's funny, really, but the the things I can remember are the things that... Now, this is funny, really, that happened in significant relationships. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much that happened in one-night stands and just things I did. They were meant so little to me that they didn't even leave any in a footprint, any imprint, any any memory. So all the ones I can remember was with the few women that I've had really long relationships with. That's am I getting a bit Freudian here? Well not no. Freudian. <laughs> well coming from the psychologist, no, no, it's fine. It is. It's more obviously you have to determine what what stays to the front and what doesn't. So the things yeah. that hold more importance are gonna be there. Yeah. There you go. Psychology lesson of the day. <laughs> That's why I can remember a girl I had a very long relationship with giving me a hand job while I was driving as fast as I possibly could down the country lane. <laughs> and like, if I could drive fast while she was doing that, I remember that. That was good. <laughs> was it like time to the speed you were driving or just... I don't know. It's just because it's an idea of like, just see if you could... That's like basically see if you can keep your coordination. Just yeah. a bit weird if I hadn't. I would not be here now, would I? That would be bad. I'd have wrapped myself in a tree. Oh, I have totally. Okay, I haven't been in an accident, but I have totally. As I hit my mic, so, <laughs> um, I have totally done the like hopping on, like sitting facing someone while they were driving. <laughs> that, yeah. that had to be probably terrifying for them. <laughs> Well, I mean, terrifying in the sense they had to try to stay on the road. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a bit soft like that. I would probably have, I'd been thinking, no, I've got to find somewhere to park up because I'm not going to get the best out of it. I'd be, because I'd just be so worried about crashing. Right, right. And then they go, oh, no, let's, let's pull over, let's pull over somewhere. Can't do this. Right, well, and I was going to say, I think it, it is again it was a story when you're young so it's like you're testing things you know and it's like can i do it oh yeah i can totally have yeah. sex while going down the road in a car but you know yeah. it's not like you're not aiming for that ultimate goal of like you you know you're not going to get off because if you did you'd totally crash your car well, into a yeah. fucking tree or something <laughs> like we we're talking about before it's just another box to tick really isn't it <laughs> Chicken boxes. While driving, tick. <laughs> yes. Mechanical <laughs> driving, tick. <laughs> oh, maybe on a future episode that'll have to be one of uh, the questions I put out there. It's, you know what? What sexual acts are on your you know boxes to tick? Well, it's true, isn't it? Because basically, when it all comes down to it, and we've all had that adventurous sex, and most of the time you're doing it for the buzz and for a bit of thrill, but at the end of the day, in nice, comfortable surroundings where there's just you and the person you do it with, and it's nice, comfortable, and it's nice ambience, and it's nice, and it's as you that's great. That that's that, that, the rest of it is just fun. It's just a laugh. Yeah. You don't ne- you don't necessarily have to get off on it. You don't necessarily have to finish because you can just whip it out and then both run away giggling because, <laughs> because you've done it and you're like <laughs> yeah. that, oh my gosh can you believe we just did that yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah a different way of enjoyment really I mean yeah 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 an adventure <laughs> so uh with that maybe I'll play some of my listeners adventures <laughs> I was travelling up from London one Friday night to see some friends in Oxford, and a girl sat down opposite me. She was about 25 and pretty slim and attractive. She seemed to be Russian-looking, with big brown eyes. Anyway, she had her head buried in a book, so I tried to get her attention with eye contact. She glanced up at me and smiled and then went back to her book. So I took my shoe off and rubbed her leg under the table. She put the book down and looked at me again, kind of surprised but still smiling. Without speaking, I sort of indicated with my eyes the door at the end of the carriage. And then the weirdest thing happened. 
Without speaking, we both got up and went into the bit between the carriages and started kissing. Five minutes later, we were locked in the toilet, and I was fucking her doggy style while she leant against the wall. She got a bit noisy and someone banged on the door. It was a bit of a passion killer, to say the least. We stopped and waited, and they said something like, Are you alright in there? We just stayed quiet, and then they went away, probably to get the guard, so we kind of guiltily crept out, jizz drying on my thighs, and went back to our seats. I then asked her name. It was Tanya. She was from Czechoslovakia and a shiatsu therapist studying at Oxford Uni. When we got to Oxford, we exchanged numbers, but when I tried to call her the next day, it was unattainable. So there you have it. Nothing like that has ever happened to me before or since. Worst luck. Kinkiest place I've ever done it. Um, there's one. I was in a long-term relationship with a girl who had some fairly major mental issues. But then, you know, guys, that just means they're a bit better in bed. If they are just a bit messed up. So we were on the beach. And I know what you're thinking. The... um Oh, stereotypical sand gets everywhere on the beach, <laughs> in very much a carry-on fashion. But um, no, we decided we were on a um, private beach, could it be called that? Basically, um, there's beaches everywhere here, and we had a rubber dinghy. <laughs> and uh, So we loaded it up with a little packed lunchbox and all that, and we would actually dinghy ourselves around to a beach that couldn't be accessed, you know, when the tide was in. So we were there on this private beach, and um, the mood took us, as it did, so... Um, we thought we didn't want to be seen by a passing fisherman boat or anything like that, so we, we scampered off into this cave that was back there, which was rather cold. The sand was very cold, um, sort of just as you laid down, and it also quite damp as well. But um, in the height of passion, I may have done something that was a bit of a poor judgment. So, as we were there on the cold sand, sort of rubbing and doing all that business away, I saw a... Um, a phallic-shaped stone on the floor, not as big as a knob, you know, it's more like a, a butt plug of a stone, as it were, and um, uh, this girl was, as I said already, she was a bit messed in the head, so she was up for pretty much anything, so um, I kind of shoved the stone up inside her, and then I kind of also, it was quite a small stone, I won't be too um, derogatory about the size of a lady garden, but I also sort of went in there and we sort of did the do. And it was quite, um, it was alright actually, It's um, you got to watch for the scraping, thankfully the stone was rather smooth and just felt a bit different, but <clears throat> no, good though. Sorry, I'm getting red even telling this one. And um, so we did the do and there we go, that was fun wasn't it? And then it came time to, I was a gentleman and I tried to... Uh, sort of afterwards, quite quickly, I tried to, you know, get the stone out. Very smooth, the stone was, though. The the sea had weathered it, so it was um, very um, slick and sheen, and um, I couldn't grab hold of it. I couldn't get this fucking stone out. Um, this prehistoric love egg, if you will, just wouldn't come out. And um, I tried fishing around in there. I mean, fishing probably being a wrong kind of word. But, um... I, I tried uh, fishing around in there, and I couldn't get this thing out. So, um, I don't know, was it evolution took over? And um, so she had to sort of squat down and birth this um, this prehistoric butt plug out of her vajayjay right in front of me. And it was, um, yeah, it's a sight I shan't forget. Not in a good way, though. So, um, yeah, just, I don't know, always bring a sex toy with you at all times, because, yeah, don't improvise. It's never going to end well. So, here's a story that was emailed in from one of our listeners to screamsandmoans at gmail.com. He says, We were swimming at the lake and had only been dating for about eight months. You know, the time frame where you still want to get it every chance you can get? Well, we'd been staying at my cousin's house, so any kind of sex is out of the question. Because there's thin walls and all my family was there for the 4th of July... So, while we were out swimming, holding on to one another, I was getting a bit worked up because it had been a few days. So, I playfully started to rub on the outside of her swimsuit. 
When she didn't say no or brush my hand away, I moved in a bit closer, my moving the bottom half of her suit to the side to get better access. I started to rub on her with no suit between us and this got me really hard. I pulled my suit down and stuck it in. We were both feeding off the excitement of knowing that people could see us from all around but had no idea what was going on under the water. It didn't take long for her to get off as she was overwhelmed with the excitement of the whole experience. I followed soon after. This was by far the most exciting time either of us has ever had. So those were our listener answers to the question this week. And next week, going along with this whole theme of uh, different things that, you know, check marks or tick boxes, um, what's something that uh, you've always wanted to do in terms of sex but um but haven't yet so i'll uh look forward to the listeners answers you can record them or email them to screams and moans at gmail.com and uh with that i think we're starting to wind up but uh nigel how can people find you on the interwebs oh easy um yeah just you can just uh, come to for one thing, come to Twitter, Utter Tosh Pod. U T E Utter Tosh Pod, all one word, at Utter Tosh Pod. Come and find me there. All the links are there. Um, Uncle Arthur's Bollocks. If you just put Uncle Arthur's, just search for Uncle Arthur's Bollocks, you'll find me. Uh, Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and and that's about it. There is another website. If you, um, I have another podcast called CSI Troutbeck. That I haven't done anything with for about a month now, but I'm going to start up again. But it's it's a bit it's hard work to do. It's like a series of sketches about a village in the north of England that's getting weirder by the minute. Uh, there's a website for that, csitrotebeck.com. Go and have a look at that because it's um it's there. It tells you all about the characters and the story and everything like that. So basically, that's it. Uncle Arthur's bollocks. <laughs> Which we've heard a lot of tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots and lots of bollocks. Lots and lots of bollocks. <laughs> and um, as always, you can find the Screams and Moans podcast at Screams and Moans on Twitter. And we also have a Facebook page. So just facebook.com slash Screams and Moans. And then, of course, www.screamsandmoans.com. So, um, and soon to be on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. <laughs> so, yeah, with that, um, well, I hope you do have a good Christmas. And um, it's been wonderful getting to uh, sit around and chat with you tonight. It's been absolutely wonderful. I hope if we don't get together before, I hope you have a great Christmas. Yes. And I, and I hope you get to sit down and watch a Christmas story. <laughs> Definitely have to hit all of those uh those holiday but classics. I to watch it again at Christmas. There you go. See, maybe we could plan it. We could watch it at Christmas. <laughs> Everybody out there in the UK, get your DVD from Amazon, A Christmas Story, £2.50, free postage and packaging. There you go. Oh, what a pitch even. <laughs> All right, and with that, everyone have a good night. Thanks, <laughs> night, everyone. I know you've been feeling down, all pent up, it's so hard to breathe. Don't fret this Christmas, you'll get the attention you need. I love you so much that it's hard. It's Christmas time for my people.